For more than 25 years, Atlanta has tuned into my straightforward financial advice. I'm Dr. Gene Hensler, and this is Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running and most respected money show on radio. My staff and I will give you fact-based, no-nonsense answers to your financial questions. To have your questions answered on the air, send them to me, Dr. Gene at Hensler.com. That's D-R-G-E-N-E at H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com. This broadcast of Money Talks originally aired Saturday, January 26, 2019. The only thing we have to fear... The economic health of this nation has been... ...for essential economic freedoms. The excessive decline... Greed. ...in the dollar... ...it's a late rally on Wall Street... ...too big to fail... ...growing the economy... ...growing the economy... ...it's amazing what's been going on with the economy. Welcome. Welcome. This is Monitor. Good morning. What up, fam? You're listening to Money Talks, Atlanta's longest-running, most-respected money show on the radio. And yes, this is my fam. I, I love Come it. Come on, Casey. I love it. What up, fam? What up, fam? Got to no appeal to the millennial. Of course, I'm, I'm trying to be cool at the same time. I don't um, know if I understand what that means, and I'm. Supposedly a millennial. You're like grandpa millennial, right? <laughs> yeah, You're like the millennial. leading edge of the millennials. That's right. I'm right in the heart of it. Yeah. So that's Casey Smith that we're talking to, who is a CFP and a CEPA, CEPA, C-E-P-A, which is a certified exit planning advisor, right? That's right. And the other voice that you just heard, who is definitely not at the leading edge of the of the uh, millennial generation, probably more toward the middle, toward the Right in the middle. Middle, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, Jesse Thomas, one of the many Thomas I that we have around here. If you listen to the uh, previous show, we had her, and uh, Jesse's mother is uh, a uh, planner. She's actually the, the, what is her official title? Casey, you could probably tell me more, better than I could say myself. What is her she official is the title? Manager She's the manager of, of the, the senior, yeah, managing senior manager. Yeah. yeah, planning and implementation department. There we go. Hensler Financial and Jesse is a tax pro. She uh, works at one of our two offices, not the headquarters building here in Kennesaw, but she works down at our perimeter office and uh, enjoys the short uh, in-town millennial-type drive. How's the traffic coming yeah, up here this afternoon? Yeah, coming up here is not not nearly as bad as going from my short nine miles, sixty minutes. Yeah. 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 ITP. That's it's rough. Yeah, you uh, if you if you transcend from ITP to OTP or vice versa, you're going to run into a little traffic around Atlanta. Mhm. Yeah, all right. So, uh what is the market done this week? We're up up almost 1%. Uh, as I told you last week we would be. But of course, I'm always going to tell you. Market's going to be up. Did um, you say 1%? Is definitely that, the broken right. No, that? I just say up. I yeah. mean, it's uh, no one it makes me quantify this. <laughs> I, uh, That's true. There's I no criteria. It's it's no directional. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it's usually the easiest call to make because two out of three days the market is positive. If How often is the market flat? Would you say? Very seldom. In that's, fact, that's what Mr. That's Lako of, likes to, to he go. He really with. does. I tell him, you know, you're you're just pigeonholing yourself in a spot. You're <laughs> seldom going to win. Yeah. But once in a while, the market will be flat. But. Um, Last five days, we've gained 0.96%, led by industrials, which is uh, very interesting. Um, and then utilities follow, following suit. Uh, you would expect that the two of them, one's a very cyclical-type sector. Industrials do well when uh, um, the economy is flourishing. 
Utilities tend to do well when uh, uh, bond prices are rising, so when yields are falling. And uh, uh, on the far end of the other, other end of the spectrum, we have the loan negative for the week is uh, communication services, which is a relatively, it's not a new sector. It's been renamed and revamped last year. Uh, it used to just be AT&T and um, Verizon, Verizon, and uh, I think there was another telecommunications company, a phone company in there. But now we've got was Alphabet. And, um, oh, really? I didn't realize they'd been reclassified. Yeah, anything that's communications. Disney's in there. Hmm. Yeah, moved a lot of stuff oh, well, that previously was not in communication services down into communication services. So, <clears throat> yeah, very interesting. When did see. that happen? Last year? Last year, fall, oh. September, I think, August. Told you uh, I lived under a rock, see? Yeah, uh, yeah. well, you did mention that you live <laughs> under a rock. Um, I guess you're living to prove it now. Um, so if we look at the past 12 months, market's down almost 7%. Utilities, the big leader, 7.33% positive. Energy, the big loser, almost 20% lower in the last 12 months. Uh, yeah, energy's been really getting beaten up as of last year. Starting to, to come back a little bit, um, you know, this year as we look over the last uh, year to date. Energy's this right there, tied with financials as the the leader, at 8.33 percent. So yep. making a little bit of a of a comeback, I guess. Um, what would you attribute that to, Troy? That's Some a mani- manipulated market. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anytime you've got the OPEC out there telling you the cartel, well, we'll yeah, we'll slow down production so that we can raise prices. And uh, I think uh, Russia has been complicit in the in the uh, lowering of supply to the market to uh, to kind of adjust that price a little higher. It follows crude oil quite closely, um, and Anytime you want to see what energy has done, more or less, you can just look at crude oil prices and make that determination. Uh, again, though, you know, utilities being the big big winner over the last 12 months, you look uh, year to date, just in 2019, the almost one month that we've been in the, in the uh, new year. And uh, while it's positive, 1.92%, it's second from the bottom, along with consumer staples. So, uh, those those more conservative spaces, healthcare's right healthcare, along there with consumer it. Consumer staples, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so those are the bottom three: energy, financials, and industrials being the leaders year to date, and we're up 5.35 percent total for the S&P 500. So um, quite a rebound. Uh, low point in the market was uh, Christmas Eve, December 24th, if you wish. Um, and uh, one of the other things that's really interesting to watch is uh, the yield curve has still got this weird lump in it. And uh, by that I mean we've got a we've got an inversion, but it's not the 10-year Treasury uh, versus the 2-year Treasury. Wherein I, think, uh, I think Nick down in your research department, Troy, coined the uh, the Nike swoosh yield curve. I think he's, yeah, he's going yeah. with that. You know what? It, it, uh, if you looked at it graphically, he, uh, he would be right. Um, but the 1-year Treasury is at 2.57% yield. The two years at 2.56, so just a slight inversion there. The three years a little worse, 2.53. The five-year, 2.55%. Those last three being definitely lower than the one-year treasury. Anytime we start getting a weird shape to the treasury uh, yield curve, we start worrying about long-term growth. And, um, you know, there's stories out uh, in the past few weeks about uh, global growth being 
uh, potentially hampered by the fact that China's slowing down. So what kind of impact is a government shutdown having on on domestic growth? Well, it depends on who you ask, but uh, we were told at one point it was going to be uh, 0.1% per uh, week, but now they're saying maybe 0.1% for the for the whole year. Right. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It, it seems like the local news at least wants to catch on the fact that the garbage is not being taken out at the at the national park, but uh, then they'll have a story that uh, do-gooders, volunteers, which there's always volunteers around those entities anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. Volunteers are grabbing the trash and replacing the bag, and it's really not that big a problem. Yeah. So I think I read somewhere that the the estimated um, economic impact of the shutdown is now equal to the amount of funding that Trump has requested for the wall. I actually read that as well. So yeah. That's that's kind of interesting. So, so, so we 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 could have just avoided this whole mess. Just give the man his wall and be it done. It really is a very very <laughs> small percentage of uh, of the overall budget. Yeah. Um, which I guess just depending on what end of the politic political spectrum we'll call it uh you land uh is probably going to sway your opinion one way or the other sure um i got to be the first to tell you while i like some of the policies i've seen over the last two years um i still really wish that our president would hush <laughs> throw yeah. away your twitter account and just pay attention to the job but uh doesn't seem like that's coming anytime soon uh, we've got a few details on uh, economic information, even with the government shutdown, and that, that is actually causing a little bit of an impact in some of the data that we're seeing. Uh, existing home sales um, took a tumble in December, fell 6.4% from uh, the November total, which was revised as well, uh, down by 10.3% from December of 2017. So the year-over-year number is uh, is looking pretty rough, um, and that... Uh, Quite often leads, but December is really not the biggest month uh, for home sales anyway. Yeah. So, uh, you know. It'll be a more meaningful number to look at maybe once we get to spring. Exactly. see some, uh, some more activity there yeah, normally. Don't see too many people moving in December. Uh, MBA mortgage applications, and this is a, a weekly thing. Uh, so there's quite often uh, volatility in the number it grew by. Uh, 4.5% four-week moving average did uh, for purchase applications. Um, uh, biggest monthly growth growth rate since July of 2016. So that seems like a bit of a disconnect unless you stop and think that the timing of these two are pretty significantly different. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had, uh, we had one that's uh, a longer-term number and, and was uh, reported on an earlier period. And, you know, now we have um, MBA mortgage applications, which are actually a January number and look a a bit stronger. Um, Jobless claims plunged for the the third consecutive week. So still employment situation looking to be about the strongest indicator of economic activity that we've we've got and uh, has been for quite a while. We're going to take a real quick break here. You're listening to Money Talks. When you come back, we'll go over a dog of the week and then talk about some tax issues. Stick around. It's time for the dog of the week. 
All right, dog of the week this week. Uh, you know, there's many, many, many ways to make a buck. Um, there's a company out of Los Angeles. This is a startup company, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, many startups fail, and, and maybe it's because of a, a foul foundation for a business idea. Uh, the company's name is Vev. I'm probably mispronouncing that, but I'll spell it for you, and you just do it what you want to, V-A-E-V. Uh, their idea comes from those who uh, want to inoculate themselves against uh, the common cold, flu, whatever it might be, uh, and they've got this new solution. You can buy a box. I'm trying to make sure that I'm reading this right, but I know I've read it multiple times already. You can buy a box of used tissues for $80 and infect yourself with whatever might be in the box. Ew. Ew. Yeah. That's this, is, this is something from Saturday Night Live, right? Uh, no, this actually that comes. Uh, it's odd news. Uh, you know, it comes from UPI. Um. But yeah, no, it's uh, there are over. I mean, why don't you just pay people to sneeze in your mouth? I've, I mean, if that's your I mean, flavor, I'm just saying. Yeah, be, it seems like that'd be a, a more efficient way to do it. Like, you just stand or, at the stand at the exit of the hospital, local hospital, yeah. and let the folks with the flu and strep throat and all the rest of that. Hey, will you sneeze on me? Yeah. So it could be a new revenue source for preschools if they want to. You know, sell them oh, their used tissues. There you go. There you go. They always the make the claim that, you know, if you put your kids in preschool, then they're going to have a stronger immune system coming out the thing. So maybe we're paying a little. I mean, you could you could make the claim that at least $80 of your, your uh, daycare bill is going to the strength of your children's immune system. I'd like to see the, make uh, the claim. Who's the, the person that's going around and collecting all the used tissues? Well, I mean, where there's, are they these from? there's a lot of problems here. There's a doctor, uh, William Schaffner, who's weighed no, in on this. this is, and that's got to be fake. This is Schaff, a joke. Schaffner. Schaffner. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. yeah. Who's, who's uh, hey, now, you can check this out. Vanderbilt University School of Medicine. He says. Vandy, huh? Yeah. Go doors. There well there you go. It's the SEC school. Yeah. KC, you gotta love those. <laughs> and and it's also the whipping boy of the SEC when it comes to football at least. Uh but he says, you know, there's over two hundred common cold viruses and it's very unlikely that it's gonna that the virus will make it from the company's doorstep to your doorstep and still be effective. Yeah. He's claiming that uh, this is a foolish notion, which, I mean, who would ever that's, pay That's for a really anyway? out there claim. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He's, he's really, really stepping out his, on a limb there. Stuck his neck way out on that one. But uh, <laughs> he says, save your 80 bucks. Well, and uh, guess probably what? probably good advice. I, I don't even have my wallet on me right now, so <laughs> I'm pretty safe. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, just the most bizarre way to try to make a dollar. And, and who would ever find that a viable claim? Uh, I... I'd, yeah, maybe There's, that's th- what that's, they're doing. I think is proof they... that uh, marijuana is legal in California. <laughs> so, so this is uh, this is our proof. Anyway, um, I think that uh, I I really couldn't believe it when I was reading that to be uh, truly a, a viable offering in the marketplace. And like I said, uh, maybe we should mark our calendar for twelve months and see if Viabs is still. A, Viable so you're, you're telling me this is not a candidate for the portfolio? Is I'm that, telling that you saying? that absolutely not. Right. Seldom do I ever pick a startup, and 
never will I pick a company that's got no revenue, and I really think that that's where they're headed. <laughs> no revenue. So uh, anyway, my dog of the week. Um, that, that's pretty good. Well, that's, that's, it's pretty bad, actually. Yeah, well, but, I mean, it's a good dog. Yeah. It's a bad King idea. of the dogs. All right, so Jesse, with uh, with your wealth of knowledge and um, all the excitement that any CPA could bring to, I mean, Every any, conversation. any conversation, a party, I mean, make it, make it what you wish. Uh, let's talk a little bit about audit triggers. It is time. It's tax time. Most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, well, I mean... I guess it, yep. it doesn't really. That's not the rest of the song that I've heard before. It's the most wonderful. No, no. Don't the even CPAs. get close. Here. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're a different breed. They they're a little. I won't call them weird. They're just <laughs> like you said, different. But audit triggers. You know what? We'll make fun of you, but then everybody wants to hear. Right. I'm everyone's exact, best friend in April. <laughs> ex- exactly yeah, what right. it is that we're talking about. So. Uh, I guess when it when it comes to these, uh, quite often it's business people that run into these sorts of things, mm-hmm. and uh, we have a lot of clients that are business folks. And um, I figured that we would just step through and, and talk about some of the things that you can avoid to also avoid an audit. Yes, and and unfortunately most of the things are things that will occur in the natural course of you living your life and doing your business. Um, but it's just making sure that you do them properly right? and hopefully don't have all of the items on the list to kind of lessen your chance. Um, but the IRS has this computer program that they've created called the Discriminant Information Function. Wow. And basically they run every return they get through there. The diff. The diff. And wow. it, it decides what sounds reasonable. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, one of the big things we see a lot. And they talk openly about this. Yeah, yeah. You just have to I guess not you fall gotta, asleep before you get there. <laughs> you have to tr- run in those circles, huh? Yes, yes. So, um, you know, it all comes down to what's on your return. So if you have a lot of income, it's probably going to spit it out. It's just looking for the margins. If you have very little income, it's probably going to spit it out as well. Um, and, you know, a lot of the times it's so correct. So when you say spit it out, you mean it's going to flag it? flag it, and then okay. it will be reviewed by actual humans outside okay. of the diff system to determine, you know, if there's something that may be going on. Um, so, you know, it looks for taxpayers who have $200,000 a year or more, um, but most of the ones it picks have over a million dollars of income. So okay. if you fall in that, just make sure that you've kind of – Cross your T's and dotted your I's and and make sure everything is good. Um, I mean, the good news is most of the people that it kicks out, it's very easy to prove that what you have is correct. But some of the things you're going to want to look at is if you work in a cash business, um, if you're a part-time yoga instructor, you work for various gyms, they're giving you cash, things of that nature, you know, they're going to want to make sure that you've recorded that, um, especially if the gym has issued a 1099 to you as an independent contractor. Because they also issue it to... The government at the same time. So if you have something issued to you, whether it's a W-2, 1099 from investment income, 1099 from, you know, non-employee compensation, the IRS knows. Okay. There's, you know, they see you when you're sleeping. They know it's there. Make sure it's on your return. You're really tying back into the I know. It's the holidays. It's Christmas in January. Most wonderful time, right? It it really is. Um, You know, a lot of things that you can look for are your deductions in line. If you make $40,000 in a year... And you put on your return that you gave thirty thousand of it to charity. 
What a charitable person you are. What a charitable person. And the IRS wants to find out just exactly how charitable you are and why. Yes. So, and you know, it could be legitimate. It could be that you received an inheritance and donated more than you you normally would. Um, But you just need to keep good records. Make sure that you have written documentation for anything over $250 that you've given to charity. Make sure you keep it for three years. Case, it could also case be the dip spits it out. Yeah, that you're like George Costanza and gave it to the Human Fund or something, right? Yes. <laughs> well, wasn't that his shtick on that yeah. particular show? Very good. Yeah. All right. So um, careful on your charitable contributions, or just make sure that you're not lying. Correct. Right. And, and that's what a lot of it comes down to is you know, make sure you're not lying. Make sure if you had income, you reported the income. If you had charitable contributions, they were real. Um, but also, if you're self-employed, they can get you there. Self-employed is a great thing. Sure. It's a wonderful thing. Um, if you have a home office, it can only be your home office. You can't pay your telephone bill in there. You can't let your kids print their homework on that computer. The IRS will come in and say that it's not a home office. Though The way it's written is if it is used as a home office, it has to be exclusively for business purposes. So you can't portional. No. No portional. Isn't there use. some kind of safety that you can use to for a home office deduction? Yes, there's a simplified method, so you just elect that if you are using it for other things and it gives you a standard amount. Okay. Um but with that it also comes mileage. If you're driving your car, don't tell your CPA or tell yourself I mileage is the same as last year. You know, they want written logs. Miles in, miles out for business use. Got to keep all your receipts for keep fuel, your receipts. everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So those are some that could easily catch you because there's so many, I suppose. Yes. Yes. And, and another one that I, I see pretty frequently is if you have a business, make sure it's actually a business. Um, the IRS publishes guidelines. There's nine points, and they're very vague, are you a business type questions. But um, one real quick key to look at is if you've been in business for a while, did you make a profit in the three out of the last five years? Okay. That way you'll be considered a business. If you can't answer no and there's no extenuating circumstances, they might determine that that's a hobby, a hobby. and kind of disallow it. All right. So that that could be another big audit trigger. Um, and, I mean, those are some of the common ones we see pretty much day to day. Yeah. Uh, well, I've got a few questions for you, probably, namely, uh, you know, there's a lot of fraud that goes on this time of year, and mm-hmm. I know you don't have time to answer it on this particular segment, but when we come back, would you please talk to us a little bit about the fraud surrounding the IRS and and uh, tax time? Yes. All right. Stick around, folks. You're listening to Money Talks. When we come back, you'll hear more about tax time. When I think back on all the crap I When you have money, money, you start investing in your future. When you start investing in your future, you start worrying you'll make mistakes. Oops. When you start worrying you'll make mistakes, you can't sleep at night and watch infomercials. Pick up cat hair, some clothes. When you watch infomercials, you think you can get rich by placing tiny classified ads in newspapers. <laughs> 
When you place tiny classified ads in newspapers, you subscribe to those papers to make sure your ad is running. When you subscribe to a bunch of newspapers, they pile up at your house, making it look like you're not home. When you look like you're not home, Girl Scouts don't come to your door. When Girl Scouts don't come to your door, you don't get to buy Girl Scout cookies. Don't miss out on Girl Scout cookies. Get rid of get-rich-quick schemes from infomercials and upgrade to Money Talks. This is Money Talks. There you have it, folks. If you're going to get some Girl Scout cookies, you got to come talk to us. That's right. I mean, yep. I mean isn't that... The, that? That's the theme of the of the little ad there. Yeah, and who doesn't like Girl Scout cookies? That's it's, right. It's late Scout enough in the year season. that everybody's blown their uh, New Year's resolution, and it's time to think about some Girl Scout cookies. Girl Scouts were showing up on my door on like January second. I was oh, like, yeah, I'm not no. ready yet. Yeah, you got to no, hit they, me about the fifteenth, and then I'll be good. They yeah. will. Uh, they will get you. Yeah. You're not going to avoid the Girl Scouts, especially if you go to the grocery store this time of year. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're going to be standing on the doorstep waiting for you to go in or out. Boosting consumer spending. Absolutely. So. Guess I ought to introduce you guys again. Uh, we got Jesse Thomas, CPA. Yeah. Is there any other designation? I don't want to miss any. Just the CPA. Okay. I know you're ambitious. Uh, and we got Casey Smith, who's a CFP and a SEPA, as we described prior. Uh, and then it's just me, Troy. Just yeah. old me. Yeah. I, I, you've got a few letters behind your name. A couple letters there. Uh, yeah, a couple. Uh, CFA, CVA. I'm the financial analyst type of guy, uh, business valuation analyst. Uh, if you have questions uh, concerning finance or taxes or various uh, things that we might be able to help you with, please give us a call. We'd love to answer your questions on the air. Uh, you can call our question hotline, uh, 1-855-429-9166. The way that works, you call in, you get a recording, you leave your message, including your question. Uh, we play the question back on the air and answer right behind it. So uh, if you prefer not to talk to humans, that's the perfect way. Um, if you're a little more extroverted, you can call our line and talk to a real human being, 770-429-9166. Uh, if you just don't want to talk to anybody or leave a message and let somebody hear your voice on the radio, you can email us, drgene at hensler.com, D-R-G-E-N-E at hensler, H-E-N-S-S-L-E-R.com uh, is how that's spelled. Uh, you can also go to our website and answer some of your questions for yourself. We have broad topics uh, that we cover quite a bit, um, where it pertains to finance, uh, investing, financial planning, estate planning, uh, taxes, uh, you name it in the financial world, we got it, except for banking. Uh, we don't do much of that. So, yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just saying. I, uh, Casey must be privy to something <laughs> I'm not aware of, but uh, if he says it, then I'll go with it. Um, so, when we last spoke, Jesse, we were uh, talking about taxes and ways to avoid those red flags, if you will, yes. sort of the audit flags. Um, but there's a lot of fraud that's popped up in the last few years where uh, you get people, unscrupulous mm-hmm. people, who are finding uh, dependent social, social, easy for me to say, social security numbers and using them to claim a dependent on their taxes when it's actually your kid. Yes. Living in your house, eating your groceries, wearing out your tennis shoes, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid it's only going to get worse this year um, with people trying to look for those dependent credits. If your child is under, I think it's 16, you get $2,000 credit yep. just for raising them. So 
They yeah. should pay us a lot more than that. They more really incentive. should. Because it only costs $2,000 a year, right? Um, <laughs> well, it depends. <laughs> so what, what they're doing is they're looking for those credits. Um, so they'll file a zero income tax return, put your child's name and Social Security number on there, and then receive the credit. So what happens when you try to file your return is that it gets rejected. Um, if you're electronically filing, they say one's already been filed. Don't panic. You can fix it. Um, you just have to prove that it's your child. <laughs> you just have to jump through a yeah. whole bunch it's, of hoops. It's a pain, but but it can be dealt with. You know, paper sure. file your return. Make sure you get it in on time um, to avoid and, and the penalties and interest. Time is of the essence. So if yeah. you're the first to file and they can't come behind you, they're going to be the one that gets the rejection notice, right? Correct. And then they can't prove it's their child. So. You but know. I would have to bet that most of them, if they're going to be fraudulent, they know this as well, yes. and they probably have already filed. Yeah, they're they're batching them through as early as possible. Right. Um, but that that's not the only scam we've heard of this year. Um, I know a new one, especially in Georgia, um, there is a business, a fake business, mailing out a compliance thing called the Workplace Compliance Services Letter, um, in which they're asking companies to send them $135 for their business registration to avoid paying fees and penalties. If you see this, if you know anyone who has seen this, tell them not to send it in. It's completely fake. Um, the business annual registration fees are paid through the Georgia Department of Revenue. Um, it's $50 for a for-profit business and 25 for a not-for-profit. Not 135 Not $135. And not to a third party. And not party. to a check to a third party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Anytime somebody asks you for your information, for money, for any of that, you got to check them out really close. And I would like to think that we live in a world where uh, most everybody knows this, but quite often, I mean, the scam's working. Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about it. And they're getting right? more and more sophisticated. I'm sure that letter includes a phone number. Call us if you have any questions. Don't call the number on a letter that you receive like that. Go to the Georgia Department of Labor site, call their number, and they can verify if there's a hold on your account, if that's an actual registration fee. Um, the same goes for the IRS. I can't tell you how many clients have called me in the last year and said, I received a phone call from the IRS. They're yeah. levying my account. They're right. seizing my property. The IRS will not call they you. They won't call yeah. you. Yeah. They'll send you an official letter. Um, you can call the number from their website, verify that it actually is a letter from the IRS, um, or talk to your tax advisor. Yeah. All right. Um, we talked a little bit about timing. Is there any way, I mean, if, if somebody's going to get a K-1, so mm -hmm. they have a partnership interest in something, whatever it might be, uh, whether it be, I mean, you can do this through investments in the stock market. Yes. Is there any way you can prompt that partnership to get you your K-1 before the deadline? Well, it, it's, a, it's a hassle every year. You know, if it's a small partnership, just a few of you, um, we get calls all the time, where's my K-1, where's my K-1? But if you're in one of the publicly traded partnerships, they're going to get it to you on their timeline, unfortunately. And, and that does not help if you're afraid that somebody's filing a return with your child's social on it. Yeah. Um, you know, you'll probably be the second one then. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're going to be answering the questions, jumping through the hoops, and getting your stuff fixed after the fact. Yes. All right, well, um, as I said, we always love to get questions. We've got a few this week that we'd like to run through. Uh, Oscar from Peachtree City has written us saying, uh, my son and I are starting a side business with hopes uh, it'll take off and provide him a bit of income while he's in college. Hopefully this is not Vev. I don't want to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that might be. That's Yeah. Uh, so the question is, do you have any tips on developing a business budget? 
Sounds like a financial planning slash tax kind yeah, of issue. Yeah, we can both yeah. tackle this one, Jesse. I think, uh, you know, obviously uh, any business, a budget is going to be very important, just like with your personal finances. And, you know, having a budget is, is important to know where your money's going. Um, for tax purposes, to be able to find deductions and things, you have to know actually what you're spending your money on. Um, so having a budget is, is important. I mean, in terms of creating one, I mean, it's relatively simple. It's just kind of follow the money that's going out and and track it and, you know, code it somehow as to what kind of expense it is. Um, so I mean, it sounds like this is not going to be a, uh, a business that's going to have employees and things like that. It sounds like sort of a, a kind of startup, maybe a part-time thing. But, uh, um, you know, to Jesse's point earlier and the hobby, the hobby tax mm-hmm. could apply here, right? Yeah. So they they do. The IRS is very generous. They give you some time to get off the feet. It's not a specified time. So if you're having losses in the first few years, um, I wouldn't concern yourself. But if it's been three, four, maybe five years, and you're not starting to see a profit or at least trend towards a profit, um, that's when I would get a little concerned about the hobby loss. So, and what does that mean? I mean, basically, they start disqualifying your expenses. Is that yes. what's at stake there? Yes, they they disqualify the expenses um, saying, you know, you're selling this on the side, but you're not making money. A business is for profit. You're not making money, you know. Um, we sell a lot of times with people who are on Etsy or making quilts, things like that, um, freelance writers, if you're if you're not turning a profit after maybe five six years, they just say you know that's something you enjoy doing in your spare time. Yeah, and uh, quit sending us the receipts on your gas because yes. it's not qualified <laughs> anymore, yeah. and all the other expenses that you claimed, including your your home office probably, mm-hmm. uh, are are we don't want to see that anymore. Right. Correct. Enjoy your hobby and leave us alone. Yes. Yeah. I mean the other thing I would recommend is having some kind of software or just a, if you're very good at keeping records yourself but like QuickBooks or something like that to track your expenses that way you can get it to a CPA or an accountant who can analyze it and help you you know with the business planning um in that regard you know it depends on kind of what the longer term is if if this was a business that was kind of a going concern and operational for a while you may want to think about how you're you know, how you're using your budget, how are you using the money that the cash flow from your business, um, you know, as being a SEPA, <laughs> um, if you are going to think about exit planning at, yeah, at some point. Other end of the spectrum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is the other end, but your budget is going to be crucial to, to figure out what's the ultimate value of your business that you would get in a, in a transaction. Casey, let's talk a little bit about that when we come back, but yeah. we do need to take a quick break. Um, You're listening to Money Talks. We'll be back in just a second. talks uh much against my uh, better judgment i I play that bumper music and uh, (laughs) while i I do come on talking about hey what up fam uh i gotta be honest with you i really don't get that uh particular song but there's a lot of millennials that just absolutely love the thing it it is it's good i don't don't really get it either it's jam yeah Yeah. oh uh, uh, it's i can't say that i'm preserved in that same even demographic i don't know yeah Oh, yeah, I told you, your grandpa millennial. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the, song would... I'm the get-off-my-lawn millennial. Yeah, you really That's are. I am. 
You are the guy. All right, so when we uh, were last talking, we were talking about business budgeting. And Casey, uh, while that business, uh, you know, that, that we were talking about was um, Oscar and his son beginning a business. Yep. There's a lot of millennials that have had a business for a long time, and I, I think, you know, just in the uh, since we're on the topic, I'd like to flesh out a little bit. What if you've owned the business for a long time and you're looking to get out of the business? Maybe yeah. transition to a family member, transition to the next generation. Uh, you know, maybe within the business, the uh, some of the employees are looking sure. to buy. Whatever the the case might be, the budget uh, process would probably look a little a little bit different. Yeah, right? I'm sure it would. Depend. I mean, you have to kind of ask yourself continuously as a business owner, what is your strategy longer term? And if the strategy is to grow the business and to really try to get it uh, to a point where you can exit uh, and it's sort of a, a, a new company, then you, your budget is going to be different. It's going to look a lot different than if you are trying to, not that you're not always trying to grow the business, but if you're a more mature company that is kind of run out of growth, for lack of a better term, or, or getting to that stage where you've kind of plateaued, um, then you're going to want to do some things with your budget that are going to make it more attractive to a buyer potentially or uh, just to, to exit the business however you choose. I mean, it, it depends on what your exit strategy is. I mean, if it is to sell it to a strategic buyer, then that's that's one thing versus transitioning to a family member. It might look a little different. So sure. you do have to just kind of keep in mind what your, your goals are. Um, and, and from that matter, capital structure as well, Troy, and you and I have talked about this some, but a lot of business owners don't realize that the, the capital structure is going to be very important to attaining the valuation that you might want to get. To. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, what, what is the big disconnect is most uh, people in general like to avoid debt Sure. And, you know, while it is uh, a good thing in, in a lot of cases, I mean, it, it does lower the risk for a business. You don't have fixed costs when, uh, um, you know, the economy is obviously variable. Uh, the fact is when you use debt, it, the cost of that debt is much lower than the cost of equity. Mm -hmm. And when you theoretically run through um, cash flows, uh, those Historically, the way the way that most valuations work is you look at historic cash flows and you project them forward generally over the next five to ten years. Mm -hmm. And you take those cash flows and you bring them back to a present value. Well, the, the discount, the, the divisor in that particular mathematical calculation is the weighted average cost of capital. So yep. the bigger it is, the smaller your present value is. So you borrow money, and I don't say go borrow money on depreciating assets necessarily, but if you're if you're going to go out and and uh, buy a new division, if you're going to uh, use capital expenditures, if you're doing things like that, <clears throat> where uh, where your business is going to use the good for a long period of time, you really are in a lot of ways. If you're looking to exit, um, better off to use debt. Yeah, that's going to fall right to the the bottom line of your valuation, and just because you're discounting using a, a smaller factor. Sure. Um, and so, uh, th those are kind of things that that you want to look at when you're exiting. I mean, there, exit planning is something that is not well understood because people start to think about it right before they're ready to exit their business. Yeah, but it's really, usually it's usually after they've decided right. I got to get out of this. Yeah, and and that's kind of too late. I mean, you want to start thinking about it almost, you know, as from Oscar and Peachtree City. 
when you start the business, you should start planning the exit. Exit planning is really just good business strategy for the most part. Just having that plan in place, knowing where you want to go with it uh, is is something that's important. So that's a long-winded response to Oscar's question. Yeah, but, I mean, it it was covered as well. And, you know, like I say, it just prompted my thought. And I'll apologize to Oscar uh, ahead of time because uh, it, it was me who wanted to hear the other piece of that. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. Good but, stuff. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Um, we got another question here. Weston from Norcross says, uh, I was looking for stocks that were near 52-week lows in hopes of finding a bargain. I think a lot of folks have done that lately. Uh, might be a few weeks late in this point. Uh, Parker Hannafin came across my screener. Uh, Pee-wee. 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 <laughs> P-E. Pee-wee's funhouse. I guess. If it's got something to do with Pee-wee, I'm investing. Um <laughs> Anyway, the the P.E., the price-to-earnings ratio, uh, was a little high, but the sales are expected to improve next year by 3.2%, driving per-share earnings up by another 9%. Uh, With that, is the current dip a buying opportunity? Now, uh, Parker Hannafin is an industrial company, and as we talked in our first segment, industrial companies are up uh, recently. A bit back in favor, Hard to say exactly why, except for the fact that they did get beaten down. I think, first of all, I would warn you against this methodology of looking for something that is at its 52-week low if you're only using price. Uh, Obviously, you went a little further. You're talking about PE being a little high. Now, it's a bit of a weird situation. It's at its 52-week low, but the PE is still high. Mm -hmm. Uh, The only thing that could have happened is earnings have fallen while the price has fallen as well. Um, and it doesn't really say you're measuring them against the company's history or you're measuring against the peers. Uh, there are reasons why you might see uh, a company have a high P.E. relative to its peers. Maybe growth is better in the company you're looking at, and maybe that's justifiable. Um, but, again, it could be that earnings are, are declining, but it says that, uh, uh, you know, your homework says 3.2% um, improvement uh, in sales, so you would expect that that might translate to the bottom line, but it really doesn't necessarily follow that it would. So in doing my analysis, I look at uh, the company five-year earnings growth historically has been 12 and a quarter percent, but the expected long-term growth, nine and a half percent. So it sounds like a slowing growth kind of story. Um, I think it's probably not the absolute best time to buy industrials as I look at uh, Everything that's going on in the economy, I I would want to cover up a little more, uh, be a little more defensive, uh, not be in a cyclical spot. Uh, all things considered, um, you know, it's that's probably what I what it boils down to for me. The PE's uh, about 14.4 versus uh, versus its 17.62 uh, longer term average. So I know he wasn't looking at history; he must have been looking at peers. Um, but, uh, you know, all things considered, I just really couldn't pound the table for buying Parker Hannafin at the moment. So it's really more of an economics call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think probably best to avoid. Um, we've got one more that maybe we can cover real quick. Uh, Justine from Atlanta says, long story short, my husband and I recently married in secret and still haven't told our families. Well, that's great. Um, I've got two daughters. I I don't think that that would be a fun time at my house. (laughs) 
my husband doesn't have the same permanent address as me, and he would be filing in a different state. Can we both file a single with getting with, uh, without getting in trouble or uh, anyone else finding out? I would assume you can do it without being found out, but getting in trouble? It says we all use the same accountant. That's, that's maybe yeah, the concern. Yeah, if, if the accountant knows the accountant could get in trouble, um, the I mean, the straightforward answer is if you're married at the end of the year, married on December 31st, even if it's December 31st, 1159, married filing joint, married filing single, those are pretty much your only options if Jesse, you want to be compliant. You're killing the party. What a buzzkill. I know. I'm sorry. Good the accountant grief. can't tell. I, can't, I, mean, I really? cannot tell a lie. It's like Pinocchio. <laughs> Well, you're right. You can't be party to yeah. somebody else's fraud, right? And and that's what that would be. If you're lying to the IRS, mm-hmm. it's a pretty serious offense. Yes. So it's either, you know, married filing joint, filing both states, married filing separate, each person filing the state that they're in. Either way, married is married the key. Married is the key. Yeah, and you can't get away from that. Just don't show your parents your return. Uh, yeah, I mean, who's going to go around doing that anyway? Mm-hmm. You already lied to your folks. Just don't compound the problem and lie to the IRS because... While your folks can get mad at you, the IRS can get even. Yes. All right. Well, that is uh, about all the time we got this week. Guys, is the market up or down? Up. Up. There we go. You got it from us. I say the market's up every week. You're listening to Money Talks. We'll talk to you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.